When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Welcome, everybody, to Cutscene Saga, the podcast where we dissect and discuss the stories of video games. We're kind of like a book club. Each month, we choose a new game, gather some friends, and talk about it. So, this month, I'm joined by two new guests. Uh, joining me in the studio, we have. I'm, I'm Lawrence. Welcome, Lawrence. Welcome to the studio. And for the first time joining us remotely, we have... Hello, I'm Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Welcome. So, Joseph, tell us where are you and what's so important you couldn't be in the studio today? Uh, I am on my way back to Australia after uh, three months abroad. I've been to Malaysia, Indonesia, all over Vietnam, and now I'm on the way back slowly um, in uh, Indonesia at the moment. That sounds really cool and sounds much more exciting than sitting in this studio, I must say. I don't know. I can see on the video uh, video there, it looks like a pretty sweet setup. So <laughs> It's a pretty nifty I'll, studio. I'll, I'll have to stop by when I'm back in the country. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do like a follow-up episode or something. That sounds good. Perfect. Okay, so we're going to uh, get to know both of you a little bit. Um, so I have my first question. I'll address this to you, Lawrence, first. What is your all-time favorite video game? See, now you did say that this was an impossible question, but mm -hmm. it really, really is because it changes like on a week-to-week -week basis. Um, but really, I'd say the game that I keep on coming back to um, is actually Fallout 4, which, I mean, I guess we chose a good episode topic then. Yeah, yeah good. Um, I thoroughly enjoy Fallout 4. Also, actually, all of the Fallout games. Sure. Like, I, I'd, I'd say the Fallout series is my favorite series, um, but it's difficult to pick an all-time favorite game. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, good. Well, it sounds like um, we got the right person in to talk about this one today. Uh, what about you, Joseph? Do you have an all-time all favorite game? Uh, mine is a tie between Fallout 4 and uh, Borderlands 2. Um, yeah, just be between those two for very different reasons. But uh, yeah, huge. I probably clocked the most hours on Fallout 4 out of any game. So if that's a guide, then I'd say probably Fallout 4 as well. Yeah, cool. Uh, can I just ask, what is it that drew you to Borderlands? Because it's quite a different um, style of game. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, if you love Easter eggs, um, there are so many, so many, so many layers of Easter eggs in that game. I'm very excited for Borderlands 3 um, because I feel like so many games um, really strive to have a comical um, side to it, um, but they fall short so often. Um, and... I, I've always found that series entertaining solo, um, but they actually do a great job at doing up to four player co-op, which is something again that you know some most games will either be good solo or 
great with four people and you know they don't work both ways um so yeah that's that's why i love the borderland series yeah cool good okay so my second question for both of you um lawrence what is the game story that affected you the most and why hmm so i'm gonna answer again with fallout but this would probably be fallout um new vegas and i'd actually say um one of the dlc quest lines um the uh, Dead Money DLC, um, in which you visit an abandoned um, casino that never opened because, you know, nuclear apocalypse. Um, and that has... I, I don't want to spoil that in, because that's a different game. I don't want to spoil that entire thing. Um, but essentially, it has a message about being able to move on and let go, which the first time I played it, it hit me um, very, very intensely. And I was like unable to play uh, basically play, go back to playing it for like a couple of days after because i was so moved yeah. sure good yeah. that's that's the sign of a good a good game story i think yeah and you joseph uh bioshock infinite and again i will um i will try not to spoil anything for anyone but um that was a game even uh even at the point of you know halfway through if you started seeing how it was going to unveil itself and what the you know twists were going to be and where they were, it was still so enjoyable to you know actually play it through. Um, it was it was incredibly incredibly enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. It's a very um, it's got a really good atmosphere to it, and it really builds this whole world around you quite well. I think. Yeah, and and I love the way that it uh, still. I mean, you know, there's probably going to be someone adding me. Um, and correcting me here, but because it's been a while since I played it, but I I remember the point of view um, cutscenes making it not feel like cutscenes, like it always felt so immersive, um, and and that's something I really really enjoyed. It wasn't kind of like all of a sudden going third person all the time on your character, um, which I find really kind of you know takes you out of the world a lot of the time. Yeah, totally. Excellent. And. Um... My final question, I mean, I think we kind of have got a hint of this from both of you already. Um, so, Lawrence, what made you want to initially play and now talk about Fallout 4? Well, I mean, it was kind of a requirement because, like, I play every game of Hestop itself, no matter um, how bad it is. I, I remember seeing some, some meme on Twitter that was like, the next Fallout better be a very good or else I will still play it, <laughs> you know? Um, and that was before Fallout 76 came out, so we know how that ended. Yeah. But, um, uh, I I think the first video game that I like played and it wasn't just me taking the controller for like two seconds and having you know getting myself killed was um, Oblivion and then from that I played Fallout Three and then New Vegas and then I was like I guess I have to I yeah. legally have to play Fallout Four. <laughs> so you're like you're like a diehard Bethesda fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, Joseph? Yeah, another diehard Bethesda fan. But having said that, I think Fallout 4 has, you know, combined the best elements of, you know, the, the Elder Scrolls series and the Fallout series. Um, and I know there's a lot of hardcore Fallout fans that disagree with that, but we'll get into that later in these, these next few episodes. I'm not one of them. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> You're in good company. Okay, so today for our first episode about Fallout, we're going to be talking about the world, the world-building the the um, setting of Fallout 4, and boy, what a setting it is. Like, just this fantastic 
stylized 40s, 50s, post-apocalyptic, what on earth is going on? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, the thing for me that draws me back to Fallout as opposed to other post-apocalyptic games is just that it realized that it can be post-apocalyptic and without being bleak and looking ugly. You know, it's yep. like, it's like um, I, I compare it to directors that think for that for a movie to be gritty, it has to be desaturated and every room has to be so dark you can't see anyone's face, right? Whereas when you look at the, I mean, my favorite um, gritty reboot of all time, The Dark Knight, it has, um, you know, uh, bright colors at points. It's very well shot. It's not actually visually dark yep. and ugly, you know? Um, so... I love I love the color I love the character that it has it feels like it has a soul you yeah. know um, it feels like just there's you know these creative choices made all made um, at every step of the way that distinguishes it um, from from anything else um, of its breed yeah I totally agree it definitely has that um, yeah like you say that soul it has a, a very strong design aesthetic behind it they knew what they were doing they knew where they were taking it. And it kind of lets them take it to really wacky places without it feeling completely um, unbelievable. Um, you know, you have the, for example, the Fallout 4 DLC with the, the theme park is completely <laughs> mental. Yeah. It makes no sense, but it's just this, it fits so well into the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just, um, it's just being able to be playful, I guess, you know, um, and not, you know, I mean, people do get murdered all the time and there's bags of gore and there's <laughs> like hard drugs and, you know, it's, it's like a mature game but you, that you can still actually remember that it is a game and that playing games are supposed to be fun, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. Um, that you can be fun and you can be creative and you can have these moments of levity and fun um, even though it is such a bleak post-apocalyptic world yeah i agree do you have anything to add joseph yeah i, I mean I, I think the um comparing it to you know a lot of other post-apocalyptic games it creates such a unique world that's actually enjoyable to explore um like there's so many uh, you know apocalyptic games out there um that you know may not be from the same nuclear apocalypse as uh, as this game but um even things like the division or you know other games that are out there that have tried to create these huge apocalyptic open worlds um you know you you're going on a map and you're like i know that's going to be a street the only thing that i'm you know i have a general idea of what that's going to look like um and the only thing that i'm really going to you know be searching for down there is loot or weapons whereas with fallout because it's got this amazing you know tapestry to the entire world um you can go down the street and it's not about weapons necessarily or loot or anything like that you're just going around discovering these amazing you know little unique things yeah, I agree. I think that was a big thing for me. Um, there was a real draw in this game for me was the, all those little moments. There's so so many little pieces of detail in the world that the game creators have created these tiny little story chunks. Um, even in, like, I think there's outside Boston, there's just, um, I mean, I mean, I think, I think you find this sort of thing everywhere, but just a chair with a table next to it and like a cigar in an ashtray and a bottle of whiskey. And it's like, th there's a whole story there just from this one tiny little p piece of detail. 
it's it's almost like um, like little Easter eggs, you know, where if you actually look closer, you know, they're skeletons and you look at how they died and what happened, you know, um, like these little jokes which you can miss entirely if you don't actually pay attention to it. But it just shows, you know, that the game designers, um, the that you know, they were turned on the entire time. They were they were th- they were thinking about what they were doing and not just being like miscellaneous skeleton that we put here you know they were like thinking let's make this creative let's make yep. you know put some character yeah. into it yeah they're thinking what and what will the player find what conclusions will the player draw from this thing we've placed here so one big thing that you notice you know the more you actually kind of delve into what those easter eggs are and what they mean uh, you, you start to realize that the developers behind fallout are the biggest edgar Allan poe fans you will ever find um, there are so many different references from, you know, like a story behind a skeleton that you find in a wall um, <laughs> at Minuteman Fort um, to, you know, all kinds of just different things that are hiding on the street. Um, but w- one thing I've found, you know, anytime I talk to people about this game is it. And when people tried to tell me about the Fallout series to start with as well, um, is that it didn't really click for me, you know, the, the real... Um, I guess the real character of the world, um, you know, people said, you know, 1950s based post-apocalyptic kind of, well, but it's, it's actually a lot more than that because, um, I mean, it's, it's basically a future world based on what people thought the future would look like in the 1950s. So it's not just, you know, a 1950s from our world. It's, you know, you've got the robot butlers, but you've got 1950s dresses. You've got the, the flying cars, that were playing 1940s and 50s jazz. It's like the technology evolved, but the culture didn't. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a, um, a very deliberate choice as a metaphor for the apocalypse has happened and culture has stagnated. And the way to really show that is for it to be our past culture. You know, if it was our present culture that had stagnated, we wouldn't really notice because that's just what culture is to us. But because it's the, this kind of 40s, 50s style thing, it really strikes you as a stagnant, um, you know, culture hasn't had any chance to grow because of this apocalypse. Yeah. Um, so did we want to get into the actual um, official backstory of why the world is stuck? In yeah, the tell us about it. Um, if And you can add me on Twitter if I'm wrong. Um, but... I, if I remember correctly, the uh, the official lore is that Fallout is set in an alternate universe where the transistor was never invented, um, which means that the transistor is a um, a very important component in modern computers. So that's why you see the computers are all very primitive in Fallout, right? It's because um, instead of going the way of, um, you know, like... Uh, like coal-powered electricity and, you know, focusing on computers and things like that, they, they went towards atomic energy. Um, and that, that happened um, in, I th- I'll have to check when the transistor was invented, but around the, the 1950s. Um, and basically, because it, it was never invented, from that, that's when the timeline diverged. Sure. Um, so, so technology kept on progressing, but just in a kind of a different direction. So instead of getting, you know, iPads, we got flying cars. <laughs> um, and then when the bombs fell in 2077, that kind of, you know, stagnated yeah. <laughs> the development of technology again. So that's quite yeah. interesting that they've just picked this one little element of, of our history and gone, what if this thing that on the surface might seem quite trivial, but like, you know, it's the butterfly effect mm. of all these all these differences that happen because just because of the transistor. Mm. Yeah, it's a very interesting what if. Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. 
It's like sliding doors, the game, but good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So something you touched on there, Lawrence, was the the computers being quite primitive. And it they do have this very odd thing of the game is very 40s, 50s, but the computers are very 80s. They have that very mm, beautiful yeah. um, phosphorescent green glow. <laughs> um, but then, so they have these like DOS-based computers but also intelligent AI <laughs> robot <laughs> butlers. Mm. Um, it's a very interesting kind of development of technology here. Yeah, yeah it's like it's like you, um, you know, you get these games, like you basically, the most advanced game they have is, um, is uh, Aliens or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but then you, we do have real teleportation as well, just yeah. actual real teleportation, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, it's, it's interesting what they, what they choose mm. to, to keep. <laughs> and I think that's, that's um, a good point with the teleportation because that lets us see a little bit more this very strong difference between our world and the world of Fallout in the Institute, this organisation mm. that's introduced in Fallout 4. Yeah. Um, Built in the the rubble of MIT, yeah. that has CIT, I believe. That's oh, sorry, that, CIT. That's that's, um, <laughs> that's another small difference yeah. between the world is that um, it's called the Commonwealth, not yep. the Commonwealth Institute of Technology, yep. not the Massachusetts. Not Massachusetts. Yes. Similar <laughs> to but legally distinct from the <laughs> <Yes>. Massachusetts <laughs> Institute of Technology. We have to legally say that MIT isn't replacing your family with robots, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't at us, MIT. Um, and yeah, and so this the the CIT has continued developing technology, whereas the rest of the world has kind of stagnated because of these bombs. Um, and uh, I'm not going to lie, that is basically why I went with the Institute finishing storyline, um, literally just because I wanted the robots and I liked the teleporter and I liked being able to go to this beautiful, white, clean underground space um, like the perfect vault. I thought you went with it because you're evil and hate children. <laughs> no, look, I mean, I do hate children, but I don't think I'm evil. I, I was going to go with the railroad, and I was like super buddied with the railroad, and then I was like, you know what? Actually, sorry, guys. I'm going to you know, kill you all. They have cool suits at the Institute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I just like standing around watching that android making machine um, oh yeah just mm. beautiful animations on that <laughs> yeah post-apocalyptic is being done to death really isn't it um but the fallout somehow stays fresh do you do you two think it's because of that um sense of humor and that um different kind of parallel universe version or do you think it like like what is it that keeps fallout interesting in like i mean if, if you go on steam there is just floods <laughs> of open world post-apocalyptic games yeah. and yet fallout seems to be kind of top of the heap i think that certainly is part of it you know the creativity but um i think another thing is you know if you um if you go back and read Shakespeare, it's full of cliches, but it's not cliches because Shakespeare made them up, you know? Um, you know, people think of Fallout 4, but, you know, Fallout games have been around since the 90s. It's a very old franchise. It's, it's one of the first maybe post-apocalyptic RPG franchises that have been around. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, it, it, has, it has a certain history and fan base that kind of um, give it, you know, a, a leg up against the competition. And also, you know, Bethesda has some dollars. They can throw some money that at is it, very which, which, true. which indie developers don't have, you know, the <laughs> privilege of doing. Yeah, Bethesda does have the dollars. <laughs> yeah. And and I think I think um 
I, I know we'll get into this in you know next week's episodes go with plot, but I think one of the biggest things that sets it apart is just replayability um, as well through the storyline. Um, you know, I have played a lot of post-apocalyptic games and, you know, at best you'll get through the storyline once um, if the storyline, you know, actually can, you know, push you through, if it's actually got enough su- uh, substance to get you there. Um, but it's, you know, very, very rare that you would ever play it a second time. Um, you know, and that, that I think is actually what sets it apart. Um, you know, if you're going to be paying a hundred dollars for a game or 80 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever you're playing, uh, you know, paying for that, at least, um, with fallout, um, you know, that you're not going to be able to clock a lot of hours on it in comparison. Yeah, I agree. And I think a, a lot of these other, um, you know, these open world post-apocalyptic games, there's a big focus on that kind of sandbox experience of just giving you an open world and letting you just run free. But I think you're right, Joseph, that the Fallout 4 sets apart because it has a strong storyline and multiple strong storylines within it to um, to pull you through and to keep you interested in exploring this world. Yeah. And I mean, I yeah. think, I think the, the defining feature of a good open world game isn't, you know, map size or something. It, um, it has to do with the actual content that's in there, you know, and are there missions to keep you interesting? Are there side quests? Are there, you know, well-designed areas? Are there characters that you can meet? Um, because, you know, if we were just going by map size, then Minecraft would be the, the definitive open world experience, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I think there's a, there's a strong... Um, I have this whole theory about in these open world games, one of the most important things is sight lines. Is f- for you, and the game I think that does this absolutely brilliantly is Breath of the Wild, where no matter where you are on the map, you can look around and you can see something that is super interesting and that draws your attention that you want to go towards. And without that, like if it's just a wasteland with you know no features, nothing there, what's what's driving you to explore? Why why would you head out into that wilderness? No, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I was um, I've also recently been playing another game, Ark Survival Evolved, hunting dinosaurs. It's a time, um, and they they have something like that where um, you have these um, massive machine things that are just in like in the sky, and like you kind of wouldn't know where to go except heading towards that. Yeah, you know? I, so I get what you mean with yeah. the silence. Yeah, yeah, you have to be able to see what it is and. Um, the story that pulls you there is kind of working together in tandem with that. You know, so if there's things that you can't necessarily see, you might be able to see it through the story. The story might be pulling you to that other location that you might not otherwise have known was there. Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, again, um, you know, a lot of the games that exist out there on the market always kind of, you know, fall victim to that comment, which is, you know, wide as an ocean, deep as a puddle. Um, which a lot of open-world RPGs, you know, cop that criticism. And I don't think Fallout um, or, in general, Bethesda games, um, for the most part, fall um, short in that area. And it is a lot to do with side quests. It's, I think it's also to do with impact and storyline. One of the most interesting things about the world building in Fallout 4 is that they've actually introduced building within the world. Um, so this is a mechanic that... Um, is really, really interesting in that in allocated areas within the world, um, you can actually start building bases. Now, I think this is, you know, particularly important because the whole concept of, you know, the entire Fallout series is basically just rebuilding the world after 
the fallout of the nuclear apocalypse. And for the first time in their games, you can actually start rebuilding physically. Um, so, you know, from collecting, you know, scrap metal and things around the place, chopping down trees, um, or deleting trees, I should say, <laughs> yeah. um, actually able to start, you know, rebuilding these bases, attracting settlers, you know, and actually giving them shelter and defense, a roof over their heads and food. Um, so I know there's a lot of hardcore Fallout series fans out there who, you know, just found um, the introduction of this a bit gimmicky and criticized it. Um, but I am a huge fan of, you know, your tower defense games and your Minecraft. <laughs> so this was this was my gimmick. I loved this so much. Um, and I'm glad that in some of the expansion packs they actually expanded it even further. Um, and in in particular, like, you know, with different playthroughs and different character styles, this was something that, you know, I either, you know, spent a heap of time on or very little time on. Um, in one character uh, playthrough I went through, I, I basically cre I created Walter White um, in the world <laughs> of Fallout 4. Um, and so there's a drug in the game um, which is called Jet, which is basically, it's it's basically meant to be meth. Um, you know, uh, the meth of Fallout 4. So I just basically, you know, worked out a way to build jet farms, um, you know, in, in these things, um, which, you know, no different from Minecraft. It's, you know, like a 32-step process to kind of build something like this. But I loved the idea of, you know, being able to play a character like that, go, you know, how would he do do this in this scenario and just start building, you know, meth farms throughout the, uh, the apocalypse because... That that was you know that was an option given to me. That's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I think that it's a good thing. It's a very it's a very role playable world, isn't it? It gives you lots of um, options. Kind of presents this buffet of possibilities to you. And um and I totally agree with what you said, Joseph. That sometimes, like with some character playthroughs, you might be really into the base building, and sometimes you won't touch it at all. And I find that's very true for me. Like sometimes I will build up sanctuary and help my help my folks and go to the another goddamn settlement that needs help. But most of like in other playthroughs, I just won't bother with that, or I'll only bother with the Vault Tech DLC building a vault. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was aligned to you know, and we'll. Uh, this will make more sense in later episodes, but when you play, you know, very much a character that's aligned with the Minutemen, you're going to spend a lot more time investing in your settlements, building up defences, partly just because that means that you're going to go and have to save them a few times less. Um, but if you know from the outset that later on you want to, and it's, you, you know, you've had a couple of playthroughs, and later on you're going to align yourself with raiders and then come back to the Commonwealth and just try and destroy everything that's there, you're not going to spend any time trying to build up a strong settlement or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's a huge part of um, world building is just the world that you choose to build within within that landscape. Yeah, um, I know that I always make up stories of like, I, I give tragic backstories to all of my settlers whenever I'm building and I'm like, oh, don't worry that, you know, your dad was killed by a super mutant behemoth. <laughs> You're safe now, my love. <laughs> um, you know, I, I always end up doing that. Um, 
And I also think a good, you know, a, a good principle of game design is think about what are the first mods people are going to make and just build that into your game. Um, because yeah. I know um, in Skyrim and also in Fallout New Vegas, I um, there's a, a like a city building mod that exists for both of them, you know, and it's one of the most popular mods. So I think uh, you you should look at what's the first thing people are going to change and just put it yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. So they saw that yeah. and they implemented it. I mean. Honestly, the first mod I put on Fallout 4 was let me have my dog and a companion. <gasps> yes. Um, like, don't make me sacrifice a companion for dog meat. I love dog meat. But I also love Nick. So, <laughs> Anyway, that's for a later episode. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about my love of Nick Valentine later on. So the one thing uh, that I'd say is actually really, really cool uh, about Fallout, um, and I know that... Uh, you know, a few games have done very similar things um, over time. But I do love the fact that uh, in a very early form, you know, the actual area and landscape is based off a city. Um, so, you know, in Fallout 4, we're looking at, you know, Boston or the Commonwealth. Um, and what I love about that is, you know, we've seen people from the fan base go and do the Fallout 4 walk, um, <laughs> you know, from... Uh, the, the town that you start in Sanctuary um, all the way to CIT or MIT, um, you know, which is the Institute. Um, and, you know, you've got people out there in cosplay wearing like Fallout, um, you know, vault suits and things like that doing the, the walkthrough. And that's that's such um, an amazing thing that I think a lot of game developers can do. Um, while, you know, still having a creative and unique world, basing it off something, you know, real um, intangible for us. So you can see your fans engage with it in a whole different way that they would never be able to do otherwise. Yeah, totally. It's, um, yeah, and, and I found that with Fallout 3 as well. That was a very good, um, like, obviously it's not a faithful representation of the city that it's set in of um, Washington, D.C. But yeah, uh, as, as you say, they, they do a very good job of implementing these real-world locations um, which really helps you see the the devastation that's happened because of this this nuclear war. You see this place that you know you've either been to or seen on TV or whatever it is, and then this version of it that's just completely obliterated. I um the other thing I really do like about uh, the Fallout universe um, and the, the the Fallout landscape with their worlds, um, which I. I feel a lot of game developers fall short on um, is this whole thing if they want to mix all biomes into a single open world map, um, which I find it isn't, you know, isn't really an issue with Fallout 4. Whereas, you know, like um, a, a lot of open world games, it's like, oh, walk 200 meters and you're in the desert. Walk, a, yep. you know, walk another 300 meters and you're in snow. And it's it just, it doesn't feel real. It feels, you know, it's cool to have that, you know, richness to the world. But at the same time, it, it takes away from it, I think, a lot of the time um, when it is something that's meant to be set in reality or some version of reality. Um, yeah, totally. So um, I really do like that. That it I was just going to say, the um, kind of building on that, the scale, I think, to me, felt really real. It felt, uh, you know, like, like as, as you say, sometimes in these open world games, it's like, oh, you kind of just have to do a bit of bit of mental trickery on yourself to go, well, I mean, I walked for like 300 metres, but I'm just going to pretend it was like four miles. 
but in Fallout, it actually feels like the distances mm. make sense. Yes, um, and it's interesting that they can have the distance without it getting boring and barren as well, because, you know, there are major landmarks like Diamond City and, like, you know, Sanctuary and, like, the castle or whatever, um, but then uh, actually the whole inner inner city Boston, you know, there's lots of locations, but then even, w- like, outside of, of the city limits, they have, you know, a trailer park here or just a gas station there, you know, and it's spaced out in such a way that it doesn't feel like you're just walking along a ruined road for two hours you know (laughs) yeah exactly and you like i find myself knowing i'm like oh i'm going to the the gas station so i know i have to turn left at that wrecked car or you know like it it helps you build a mental map of the of the world in addition to the the physical map you have on your pit boy yes definitely um and the other thing i think is probably really good to mention um is is diamond city as well which is the main city that you know or main settlement that you will find um that's already built um within the fallout 4 landscape um and what i think is so cool uh, about diamond city is that it's you know um they've really thought about re uh, kind of in that post-apocalyptic world, how people will repurpose, um, you know, spaces and locations. So Diamond City is actually from a um, stadium, uh, rebuilt and repurposed from an old stadium, um, which I think is an actual stadium in uh, in Boston that it's all based off. Um, because there's a single, there's even like weird Easter eggs, uh, like there's a single red chair. Um, in uh, in the stadium um, that still uh, survives, which is a reference to uh, some ball game that happened there. Again, don't at me. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> there's there's all these amazing little Easter eggs um, within that. But I, I think it's a brilliant brilliant thing that they didn't just go, okay, here is a set of houses uh, that we're going to put, you know, the the surviving settlers in. They've gone, okay, you know, what would people do in this situation when they got this big? Um, and, you know, they've got a shanty town down in the center of this, you know, stadium, which, which you know, it, it's logical. It makes sense. This, you know, place, you know, is built to both, you know, keep in and keep out crowds. You know, it works as a defense. They've basically built a shanty down uh, town again down in the center there and, you know, really rebuilt it and repurposed it. Um, and I think that that's really cool because there's a logic to it. It's not like they've just built um, you know, rebuilt a town out in the center of nowhere that has no protection from the elements or from raiders or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, it, it just makes sense. Um, Fenway Park is is the ballpark I believe it's based oh, on, which is, um, you know, an, an iconic landmark of Boston, Massachusetts. And I think that is um, the advantage of leaning on an environment which does actually exist is it actually lends itself to more creativity you're you're not locked in by what's real it um it it sometimes gives you more ideas you know it's like um if it weren't for the spark would the developers have just out of nowhere thought about creating a settlement in in um on a baseball field diamond you know um i think that leaning on what does exist um actually adds adds more to yeah. um to the game uh, enables your creativity more um and another thing that i've noticed about all, all of the fallout games but you know fallout 4 um is that the cities or the major settlements all have something funny about them you know it's like diamond 
Diamond City is is in a baseball thing. And then back if we, if we go back to Fallout 3, there's Megaton, which is built around an atomic bomb, you know. Because that makes yeah, sense. OH&S would lose it. Um, and then Rivet City, you know, which is built on, on an airship carrier. Um, and then the Strip in New Vegas, which is just the New Vegas yeah, Strip, strip. <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that um, adding... It's it it makes it makes the settlements uh, a character in in themselves, you know. It it gives them again a soul and a kind of liveliness instead of like this is post-apocalyptic sad town number three, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. It's Our like children are all dying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Although, are there any children in Fallout aside from your baby at the beginning? I there, there there are child characters. Okay. I'm fairly sure there are. There's there's Piper's sister. For one. Oh, true. Yep. Um, and then some children in Vault 80, 81, I believe, oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that there that are a few, you just can't kill them. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bethesda that, said no child murdering. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. The, the settings really have a, a character about them. Um, and I really like what you were saying, Joseph, about like what would people actually do in this situation while they would go and they would repurpose this sort of place because I feel like the Fallout universe is like commonly juxtaposing this kind of what would people do in this situation versus what would people do in this situation if they had been driven absolutely insane (laughs) by the apocalypse Um, because there's people doing just crazy shit but it kind of still makes sense like I can see how someone might end up in that I can see how someone might end up making a robot army and pretending to be a comic book villain it's the jet man yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's all Joseph's fault for that that (laughs) post-apocalyptic crystal meth yeah I was thinking about this as this was one of our questions, is that obviously it's sci-fi, it's more reliant on tech, but um, there are a few instances of actual, apparently, magic um, in the full in the Fallout universe. Um, in Fallout 4 specifically, um, in the DLC, in the theme park DLC, which I'm blanking on the name on, uh, it'll come Nuka to me Tano. in two seconds. Th- yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, Nuka World DLC. Um, there is, you know, Oswald, the ghoul who has actual magic yeah. powers, um, who can teleport, and there's also that whole thing with Dunwich borers. Um, you know, uh, the you know the the massive quarry that you can go through. That's a dungeon, um, which actually yeah, yeah. Th- there was there was the Dunwich building in Fallout Three as well, which had a similar kind of trippy magical element to it. Sure, where um, it's unclear kind of exactly what happened, but there appears to be some kind of ritual, some ancient artifact that they uncovered, which you know caused a bit of some death. A yep. bit, a bit of mass death, um, and also with the um, the uh, Cabot House. Sorry, the Cabot family. Um, you know the 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 artifact, the ancient Egyptian yep, yep, artifact. Yep, yep. That he oh has. yes. Um, you know, so so it's not. It's obviously not. A, you can't play as a mage in Fallout. <laughs> Maybe there's a mod for that. Sorry, but um, but there are certain magical mm. elements. Yeah, they're um, they're not afraid of introducing kind of slightly. Biz- and I mean, there's aliens as well. Yeah, like yeah. Mothership Zeta. Oh, wasn't yeah. that a time? I yeah. So I think we'll probably wrap up there for today um, and we'll come back next week and talk about the plot of Fallout 4. So thank you everybody for joining us. Um, If you want to uh, hear more from us, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Cutscene Saga. If you'd like to speak to us at length, you can email us, cutscenesaga at gmail.com. Thank you as always to our fantastic producer, Zane C. Weber from That's Not Canon Productions. Um, Thank you to Lawrence and to Joseph for joining us. We'll see you again next week. And um, we hope you have a good week.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.